Welcome to the Betterism Podcast, a learning community seeking out life's unusual lessons from its unlikely places. I'm your host, Glenn Binger, author, teacher, and coach, and I'm here to help spark some collective growth. I hope you'll stick around and teach us a thing or two, but first, a few words from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Lifeblood. That's L-I-F-E-B-L-U-D. Lifeblood.co. Lifeblood is a bioenergetic focused supplement company. They really focus and hone in on the energy restoration process of the body. Um, Their website has a ton of great educational resources on it, uh, specifically for each of their products. Uh, Those products range everything from uh, lion's mane to chaga extracts. Um, They have vitamin E. Personally, I'm a big fan of their magnesium supplement. I use that consistently, especially during the winter months to get me through the stress that comes with living in the Northeast. Um, Their supplements, I really would like to highlight because they focus on the quality of their source material. There's no fillers. There's no chemical solvents in any of the uh, extractions. Um, And really, their products are some of the purest and highest quality in their class. So check them out. That's lifeblood.co, L-I-F-E-B-L-U-D dot C-O. If you use the promo code BETTERISM, you can save 10% off your order. That's lifeblood.co. This episode is brought to you by a brand new podcast called The Discontents, The Disappearance of a Young Radical. It's actually an audiobook by indie author James Wallace Birch. It's a narrative-style podcast, and it's an adaptation of his cult classic novel, split into podcast episodes. I believe there's eight in total. It's available for free on anchor.fm slash James Wallace Birch or wherever you get your podcasts. The novel itself, of the same name, has a four-star rating on Goodreads. It's the first book in the gripping mystery of the 2011 disappearance of Emery Walden, notorious graffiti artist. Um, It is a highly captivating listen. I recommend you check it out as soon as you can. Enjoy. All right. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Betterism Podcast. Today, we got a guest from across the pond, Akil Parvez, poet, writer, creative. Akil, welcome to the show. Good to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. Of course, dude. Uh, I'm so glad we can finally, uh, you know, talk, quote unquote, in person, put a voice to the name, so to speak. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I feel like up until uh, up until this point, like you and I connected I want to say over Instagram uh, a year or two ago, um, mm-hmm. just part of the general poet community. Um, I think it was, I think it was through like the zine community, to be honest. Am I correct about that? I'm not sure. It could have been, but I, yeah, after being on Instagram for a while, you, a while, you eventually find your little corner of the internet, I guess. And um, <laughs> well, I don't know. It's weird because a lot of the people that I follow and that in like in our like extended circle of writers and zinesters and um you're all the most of you are from America. Um so it's hard to like actually meet you. But um right, right, right. Yeah I've only met just two people off Instagram really. Um and they live in England, yeah. Yeah. And it's kinda cool. Like I've I've noticed the the capability to connect over like over Instagram or, or Twitter or Facebook or whatever social media outlet. Um, like at first you kind of 
you build like this little network of like your local community, right? Like I've met a lot of New Jersey people because I'm from Jersey, right? That's how I met like Tom and, and Arthur and all them. Mm. But then the, that circle or the algorithm or whatever starts to like expand, right? And you start to like connect with other zinesters and stuff, you know, overseas, which is awesome. I mean, that's how I met you. That's how I met, uh, well, not like met in person, but like, you know, connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, connected with you. I connected with like Craig of Five O'Clock Zines that way. Uh, mm-hmm. Martin for Paper and Ink, right? Like those are all people that like, I feel like for the most part, <laughs> I feel like I know, even though I don't really know you guys, but it's like the beauty of the algorithm. It, yeah, it sucks to an extent, but at a certain time, like, you know, there's there's some there's some pros there. There's some pros to the whole scenario. Yeah, it's just kind of like, you know, I think the good thing about our little writing community, maybe a bunch of them is we all, or I do anyway, try and share writers that I like. And I'm quite selective in that. Like, I don't, I don't hardly ever comment, like, or even scroll through people's feeds. But when I do see something that I like, I will try and share it on my story and say something. Um, Right. So, I, I, yeah, I feel because I don't share a lot, when I do share something, maybe people see it and think, okay, he actually does genuinely like this. And then, of course, you see it and you're like, oh, I didn't know about this writer. Let me just follow this guy. And, yeah, there's always, like, little – there's always people coming from the shadows. And, yeah, there's all these – it's a small group, but there's some good writers about you. Yeah. Right. What's going on over there? It sounds like a siren. <laughs> oh, mate. It was, uh, I think, the car alarm. It was on last night at, like, 12 a.m. I couldn't oh, sleep. Yeah. That's it's, the it's worst. It's gone, gone off, thankfully. It's gone off now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Like, it, if you're selective about the people that you're engaging with on those online communities, like, you can really kind of form a tight-knit circle, right? I mean, like, I don't get me wrong. Like, I support all creative outlets, right? But, of course... It's just like anyone else. Like I have my own preferences, right? Like I, I might just because I support someone's art doesn't mean that I'm, you know, uh, deeply invested in that genre. It's just I might feel a certain way about the person and I want to see them succeed in their art, even if I, if that's not like my top preference. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like that's that's kind of what I'm trying to go with. Betterism is like, you know, betterism is all about trying to learn from each other, regardless of content area, right? Like, I mean, I've had. I tend to generate and focus more on the writers and poets and creatives because that's who I am. But at the same time, I realize like people learn from many different outlets, right? So I'm trying to like expand that reach a little bit um, as far as creativity goes, but also just like, you know, global location. I think it's awesome that we're able to connect over the pond here. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think, um, just the access the internet has given us to them different types of people. And I think, like you said, you don't, it doesn't necessarily have to be your field. Like um, I'm not a musician or not really an artist, but you can always take something. It's like the combination of fields, the combination of um, say jazz music and poetry, which was, you know, the beat movement. Yeah. It was when like two things come together or you'll find someone that's like a writer and a bricklayer or something and you know you can take something from everything and when things combine is when I guess you get unique and very good art a lot of times yeah that's where the innovation comes from is like kind of 
crossing those genre lines and kind of blending, you know, sometimes it, of course, sometimes it doesn't work, but every once in a while you'll, you'll stumble across something you'll try something out and you're like, man, that's awesome. Like I know with you recently, I think yeah. the last chap I ordered from you, um, you sent a couple collages over and, you know, we, when, when you and I first connected, like you weren't doing that yet. And then I, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't remember which one it was. I think it was purgatory. I ordered from you and you sent over a couple collages. And I was like, damn, this guy is like, he's creatively talented in different areas and he's able to kind of bleed the two together. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to like, you know, actually put them together into one link. I'm sure I'll do that somewhere along the line, but yeah, if, uh, yeah, I guess some you'd be surprised like what kind of hidden creative talents people usually have. But I think with um, with writing and art is something where writing is often, you know, it can be it can be painful, and the editing process can be painful, and it can take a long time. And is uh, when making a collage, you're doing art is kind of like. It's also that you have no expectation. So, so yeah. you, say you define yourself as a poet or a writer and then you do this other thing and you're like, well, I'm not really bothered if this is good because I'm not supposed to be an artist or a collage person. So I'm just going to do what feels good. And like yeah. when I'm when I'm doing, you know, it, it wasn't very, it wasn't very careful or very structured i just like rip up old books that i had old music books and just um just put them together and it's like a you know i just put some music on and totally switch off for like three hours and make a collage which was completely different to something like writing which is just writing is just really a more advanced form of thinking i guess mm -hmm. it's just thinking on the page so whereas it seemed with art, art is not thinking yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's important to take those creative breaks, right? Like there's different realms of creativity, right? You have like everything from collage to writing, to poetry, to painting, to sculpting, to music, right? Like there's these different angles of creativity. And I think it's important to kind of give yourself breaks from one or the other, right? Like I, I personally, I identify as a writer in that realm, but that doesn't mean that I don't partake in other forms of art. Right. Like you said, like if to me, the way I see it is like you kind of started doing these collage things to kind of take your mind off of the writing a little bit. But then not to say you're like giving up the writing. Right. And the poetry. But it's kind of like taking a break. So when you do come back to it, you're kind of like your mind is reset almost. And it's you you kind of want to like try something else because you, you had a chance to kind of absorb it and think. I mean, do you find that? Is, is collage the only other art form that you mess around with or do you do other types of art? Um, I think, well, for me, it's just collaging. Um, but I think there's also something that you missed maybe, uh, which is physicality. Like a lot of sports, I think people mm. purely is physical. But I think when you really watch a sport in depth, let's just take the one that seems the most brutal and physical, which is fighting which is mixed yep. martial arts. Now, if you really watch mixed martial arts, you can see like the intricacies of technique. There's like layers to watching it. The first layer is like a street fight and somebody, you know, goes sure. down with a big right hand. And then after that, okay, now there's the jab. And then you go to a boxing gym and you see, okay, there's an amateur fighter. And then you watch it on TV and you're like, this guy is perfect. 
um, and, and he's doing all these little things that most people can't even understand and they, because he's so technical and there's so much depth to what he's doing. But And, and then there's, of course, people that are very creative in that realm. Um, but the point you made about taking breaks is something that I've kind of, I think, just naturally gone gravitated towards recently. I used to be like where I used to do 30 minutes a day of writing and, and read 20 pages a day. Right. Um, but I've gone more, which is kind of like, you know, compound interest and more working like, I guess, a marathon runner. Mm. I've gone more towards kind of working like a sprinter and taking breaks. And then when I do read, like I'll read like a whole book in a day or I'll, um, I'll finish a chapbook manuscript in like a week or less, um, which is interesting. I've, I'm not sure which approach, probably a mix between the two is, but I think, yeah, break is important just to give you perspective. And I think as you grow on through life and mature and, and get older, your art will change. You'll become humbled maybe, and you'll see things from a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like you're, I mean, that that's, that system you're using, uh, I don't even know if you can classify it as a system because it doesn't sound like you're trying to intentionally do it, but you're almost like compounding the energy that goes into a specific activity or a project, right? Like, like I, for me, writing a and organizing a chapbook manuscript in one week, and this is just me, right? That to me is, is very mm. challenging, but you and I are different people, of course. So obviously we have different systems and strategies to attack that. But it's almost like, you know, what it sounds like you're doing is you're taking your energy towards a specific outcome and you're compounding it up front and trying to get it all all done and all set. And that way, when you go to take that break, whatever it is, to the next thing, is like then you take that break and you put in all the energy towards that activity, right? Um, which is fascinating to me because... You know, in um, in American culture, we are programmed pretty much from like birth that we have to be productive. We always have to be doing and doing and doing and going and going and going, <laughs> right? And you know, maybe you can speak to this from you know the, your your culture, mm. but in America, it's like you're almost brainwashed. I think I was just talking about this with Lisa on the last episode, but it's not you're you're mm. almost like brainwashed to this point where like if you're not doing anything, you feel like you're wasting your time. Right. But you and I both know oh, that yeah. like you, you need to take rest. You need to take breaks in order to have that energy level be where it needs to be. Right. So, yeah. I mean, how, how, from your, you know, from the other side of the pond here in England, like what, what is, what is that like? Like, how do you kind of approach that productivity in that sense? I think, I think, um, see, I, I do agree that we should be very productive and you should work hard and you shouldn't put off things that you know you need to do. But at the same time, see, I follow a lot of American people on like social media mm -hmm. and I listen to a lot of American podcasts so that I have that same kind of, I guess, productivity mindset. But I think, I think at the same time, it, it's a massive sickness. Uh, and it's not like a sickness that always manifests itself in real life. 
It's more just people on the internet. Yeah. People on the internet are tweeting and they're telling you, you need to work this many hours a day. You need to be doing something all the time. And their biz- that's their business. Their business is tweeting. Their business is selling like programs through yeah. Twitter and things through social media. And they n- need to say that. I think I think it really is subjective. I think mm. you need to find out what you want to do. And then you need to just, you need to like figure out how much time you're willing to really put in. Um, you know, everyone everyone's different. They've got a family. And there's, there's also like, there's also the fact that not everyone wants to work 16 hours a day. Right, you right, know? right. Not yeah, not everyone wants to be an artist or a writer or programmer like i think we have this idea now or we have this kind of pressure that everyone needs to be something there's a lot of people who are just never they don't really have that desire deep down to do anything they just want you know which is to work a job and be like which is that's that's okay i feel like that's that's a common misconception there is like people feel like they need to be labeled as this thing as this identity but the truth of the matter is like you don't you're you're a human being and and i mean it's in the title human being you can just be you can be a being and exist and that is totally fine if that's how you want to spend your days what else are we here on this planet for right yeah nobody needs to do anything i think we can become confused that this is side hustle culture and even it has spread into the uk like i just started a new job and someone was talking about it and I think the side it has its positives you know it it comes from a need to not work for someone else for the rest of your life but again you know that only suits a few people not everyone is cut out to do their own thing on the side not everyone has the desire or the discipline or or to do that so I, I think people just need to understand what they want to do but there's something which can kill you which can just destroy your mental state is wanting to be very successful. So let's say I want to be the best, you know, I want to be Bukowski. I want to be the best poet, but then I'd never put the work in. Like I I see how many times he submitted and, and how hard he worked. And then I don't work that hard, but I still have the desire. So your, your, your work ethic is not matching your desire. And I think that is something that will kill you. So if you, you want something, you need to understand the work that you're going to put in and, and put it in. Otherwise, you know, it's just going to eat you. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, that goes, that goes across all, all areas of, of creativity. Like you were talking about from athletics yeah. to, you know, to, to art itself. Um, and you think about it. I mean, you brought up um, MMA before, right? Like, of course you have different mm-hmm. fighters who have different styles and they, you know, they yep. get creative with their techniques and things, but they also, you know, you, you don't, so often you don't see the background of all the work that's going into that, the training, oh, yeah. right? And think about like a guy's going to train differently or a girl, I guess I, I don't mean to be sexist there, but you know, a person's going to train differently before their fight versus right after a fight, right? Like, so after like your, your main yeah. event, you're going to take a break and you might train a little mm-hmm. bit, but you might train lighter than you would as if you were going to train right prior to a fight where yeah, you want to be yeah. in your best ultimate top shape. Right. Um, and that goes yeah. across many different forms of art. Again, f- physical art, that's only one piece of it, but I mean, you know, there has to be, 
a balance there. And I think you're absolutely right. I could not have said it better about, you know, your, your motivation and your drive matching your actual work output, right? It's all about trying to find that balance and, and being self-aware of what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Cause that's not, you know, like you said, like Bukowski was a maniac, but that's, that's cause that's who mm. he was, right? That's not necessarily yes, going to work yeah. for somebody else. You kind of have to figure out what your system is. Yeah, yeah, you have to just figure out, I guess, who you are and um, what you want. But I think that can change. Yeah. What you want can change. Like, I've kind of given up on, I don't know if you'd say given up, but the idea that I'm going to ever make any money from writing. <laughs> I remember watching your episode with Scott, Scott Ladati, um, and he was, he was saying this. Um, he's been writing for a lot longer than I have, and he was – he was saying this like if even if you want to sell out it doesn't mean yep. you're going to be good at selling out but if you don't want to sell out you just have to understand that okay let's just you're just going to be doing this for 10 20 years and don't expect anything i think when you when you stop expecting things and you stop trying to market and you stop trying to do the stuff which is really going to kill your creativity then you have the freedom to just not give a shit right you know you can just you can just say what you want to say and not censor yourself not try and impress anybody else just just something that you enjoy doing and you're happy with and that's honest to yourself and you don't even have to worry about is anybody gonna buy this and you should probably have another job i think if you're trying to be a starving artist yeah you gotta have a backup we, we, <laughs> Yeah, we always hear the stories that are romanticized, but they really are one in a thousand. I mean, to get to that level anywhere close, okay, just let's say you're going to have to put in 10 years. You know, you just have to put in the time and, and put in the miles. And even then, you might not be where you want to be. So, you know, just pay your bills and just keep writing if you enjoy writing and keep making art if you keep making art. And, Hell yeah. You know, you you might get a little break. You might get a little break then. Something might come along or, you know, you might just keep making little small projects and meet some writers and make some friends. And you might have an audience of like 20 people. And that's, a, that's 20 people is more than one and more than nothing. So, yeah, you, you kind of have to look at it from that angle. It's like, you know, because that's the thing is like so many people forget that luck is a part of the equation. And I know it sounds shitty. Yeah. That's that sucks, but it's it's a it's it's a truism, right? Like luck is part of this. You need to be in the right place at the right time in order to quote unquote make it. But at the same yeah. time, you have to be mindful of your your smaller successes, right? Like you said, like reaching twenty mm -hmm. people is definitely better than reaching one person, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I think. Sorry, That's okay. I was just going to say everyone has different metrics of success and they want to be able to kind of, yeah. you uh, you want to be aware of what your own metric is, right? You can't get so, so distracted with that because then, like you said, it takes away from the art itself. And then you, that's where like the passion and the joy and the fun of it just evaporate. You don't want that. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think um, it's different for everyone. I think we should, you should just work on the output and the process and not focus on the outcome, which is, you know, a classic everyone's process versus outcome. Everyone's heard of that before, sure. you know, play your best match and, and, 
and don't think about winning so much because then your performance will be affected. Um, but yeah, just do the best, the most honest, the most brilliant work you can, and just don't worry about any. And if it's good, people will buy it. Yeah, you know, and and people will share it, and then that that will happen. But I want to go back to something you said about. Um, the MMA, which is you said that fighters would train harder before a fight and then they would ease off after the fight. And that's very interesting in terms of art because you can look at, you can kind of, and I think probably a lot of artists throughout history have done this. If an artist is making an album, that is like their fight camp. Mm -hmm. You know, they're hunkered down in a recording studio in the middle of nowhere and they're going to be there for, you know, you hear different things, one week, two weeks, eight weeks, and they're making an album and that's all they're doing. And it's the same with the fighter, you know, they're in fight camp, they're training two or three times a day and that's all they're doing. Everything is geared towards that. It's hard to do that in real life if you have a job. Sure. Um, you can't, but if, if you know, your weekends, you can, but you can kind of simulate that kind of fight camp where you put everything into something for a short period of time and then, you know, you ease off and you kind of reset and you have to get more ideas and you have to write more stuff. And then, you know, comes the next fight camp. Exactly. But yeah. Yep. That's one of yeah, my, it's... my favorite quotes from uh, Ryan Holiday is like the best thing you can do uh, for selling your current book is to start writing the next book. And, you know, it, it's, like you said, it's, it's a balance. There's, there's a sense of authenticity there, but at the same time, like, and again, I, not to keep dwelling on this, as much as luck is a factor, you know, there's, there are elements you can control, right? Like you can control how much discipline you put in, you can control your time management, you can control like the output of your activity, right? Like the the direction that you're trying to go. Right. That doesn't mean it's totally in control because there are definitely elements that are out of control. Right. I mean, if you didn't do your homework on which publisher you want to submit your manuscript to, they're going to deny you right off the bat. But at the same time, you know, there's other options. There are, you can self-publish, you can make it a zine, you can make it a chapbook, right? Like there's, there are choices you can make, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be successful, right? Like you said, the quote, Scott, back in, I think it was like episode four or five, right? Like you can sell out, but that doesn't mean you're going to be good at selling out. (laughs) That was a great quote. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me laugh because, yeah, yeah, a lot of people will try, you know, to play this Instagram game and even they will end up nowhere. But, oh, um, man, dude. It's... Which is brilliant to see because, you know, you love to see it. You love to see the grifters. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, that don't do good work. You know, if you're a good marketer and your art is good, that's fine. You deserve, sure. you know, Absolutely. bring all the bits. But there's a lot of shit writers that are very good marketers. Yeah, or they know somebody. The big- yeah, they're the big Instagram ones. And listen, that's another part of life marketing and selling yourself in person, online. Is Some people are just good at that or some people have learned to be good at that and it takes you very far. And then, you know, other love artists are like this, you could say. They just don't want to take part in that kind of inauthentic game of marketing mm. at times. So they just won't, won't even try to do that. Yeah. Um, That's my problem. I I always, I feel I'm, I've never been the kind of person to like brag and show off. So like, you know, I'm trying to build these things like betterism and 
or or my books or whatever whatever it is. And I just something about the the marketing angle. Like I know it's necessary in order to reach a certain level, but at the same time, it's like mm-hmm. that's just I find it so hard to do those things because you know I, I don't want to come off inauthentic, right? Like I don't want to shove product mm-hmm. down someone's throat, especially if they're not interested in the product. So yeah, I, I think. Sorry, that's okay. I, was, Sorry, I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's like a problem of mine or if it's just like a mindset that I developed from like punk culture in general. Like, I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know where it comes from, and I'm still working on it. Like, I'm trying to find a balance between, you know, some marketing and too much marketing. I don't think I've come yeah. anywhere near that, but that's definitely it's tough for a creative this day and age because you know if you do it too much, it's you're gonna shy people away because they don't want to. You know, they don't want to, people don't want to follow people that are fake, that they know are fake. And that's a, it's a topic yeah. that comes up a lot on this podcast is about um, authenticity and people being able to recognize it, right? Like, like, I, I don't know about you, but like, mm-hmm. I can tell even just someone posting something online, like I can tell the difference between an authentic comment and just some bullshit, like trying to sell you product. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, but you can, a lot of. You can tell it's quite easy to tell a lot of times, to be honest. Yeah. Um, one of the easiest ways to tell is just look at how many people someone follows. Yeah. And see how serious they really are about this. If you follow a thousand people, you can't, come on, who are you lying to? You see 20 people in your feed, 50 people in your feed. You know, you're never, you're never going to even see those hundred, a thousand people, 2000 that you follow. Right. So, you know, you just, to get numbers um but i think yeah what you said about marketing i think I, I think there's different ways to market where you're not really selling the book maybe one of the best forms of marketing is just content mm. just put out more content like you know you've got a podcast the more episodes you do your show will just naturally grow it's like you know the more branches you're building yeah you know i'm gonna do this podcast and i'm gonna share it and maybe five other people will see it and then you'll do a podcast with someone else and they'll have their little circle and maybe 20 people will see it. Um, so I think one of the best forms is marketing is just posting more content, posting more good content. I think that's something that Gary V goes on about. Yeah. He's like the ultimate market and productivity guru kind of these days. But some of the stuff he says is interesting. Like he, and, and one of the things he says is just put on more content. Like we can, you know, you can, Post 10 posts and delete seven. Right. It's not, yeah, or you can post 10, you can post 20 a day, you can experiment, you know, you can you can post long form posts, you can just do like a massive paragraph and not post very often. But I think it's different for everybody. It really does depend on, on what you want. If you're trying to market and trying to grow your account, then you need to post content. Um, but in terms of like marketing, marketing, it doesn't need to be like, it can be clever. It doesn't need to be like a slap in the face. You know, yeah. it can be <laughs> what I've been doing recently is just posting. Like when other people have shared my stuff, really, like if they've shared a picture of my chat book and stuff like uh-huh. that, but see, I'm not at this point or for the last year, even I'm not even worried about growing my account. What I found is try and do the opposite. Unfollow all the people that you really don't even care about and that you might have followed by accident or unfollow people regularly like every three months and 
focus on building more in-depth relationships with the people you have yeah because you can have you can have 10 really good followers and they're worth more than a thousand ghosts like i think collaborate with people that you're already following like you said meet them build relationships go on their podcasts because how many people do you really need? 10, 15, yeah, 20? Yeah, right, exactly. You don't need, uh, yeah, you don't need uh, 3,000 followers. How many people are your exact, product? 30? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, just because you have, you know, you might have like thousands of followers, that doesn't mean they're all going to engage with your work and buy your book or buy your art, right? It's, oh, yeah. to me, and, you know, this is this is how I've connected with people like you. It's like, I... I feel that the the best kind of marketing you can do is that grassroots, like you were saying, but like engage with the people in your audience on a human level, right? Like talk to them like they're humans. And instead of trying to sell them something, engage with them, right? Answer their questions, help them out with their projects, right? Like that, that circle goes a lot further than whatever number you can, you can achieve in your, your follower account, right? And your likes and your comments and things like that, like that authentic, relationship building is really what grows. And then what I found is because I've been, I've been doing this for, you know, 10 years on the side. I think I mentioned that in Scott's episode, but you know, what I found is a lot of times you make a connection with people and just because you don't necessarily, you know, stay in the same arena doesn't mean that you lose that connection with that person. So like I'm finding now 10 years later, you know, there are people that I connected with over writing years ago who are now, you know, starting a podcast or now they have a TV show or now they're a film director out in Hollywood. And it's like, I, you know, not that I'm trying to like use those connections to gain something for myself, but it's good to have those connections in case there's a question you have. Like if I'm writing a script, I'm going to reach out to my film director over in Hollywood over here, my buddy who might be able to answer, you know, something on how an audience better in a certain scene. Right. Cause I, I, obviously I'm not a film guru. Right. So like having yeah. those network connections, it doesn't seem like it, but in the long run, I mean, it, as long as you're keeping it positive in the long run, it, it pays off. Yeah. I think, I think what it is, is just what you can do through social media is be very selective. I think you have to try and build connections with people you actually respect. Though. Yeah. I think that's, it comes like, I'll only follow I never follow. I see people follow me. Not that that many people do, but if the yeah. other person follows me the other day on Instagram, I'll, um, you know, I'll look at their work. And if I don't, if I think meh, or if, if it doesn't really speak to me, I won't follow them back. Mm-hmm. Um, and you shouldn't, that's you know, not something, I feel like a lot yeah. of people. The, there's no obligation. Right. Like, right. There's, if you were in real life and someone wanted to be my friend, you know, I will be polite to them, but I'm not going to go out with them for a drink after work. You right. know, like if you see someone at work and you're polite with them, it doesn't mean you're going to go out with them for a drink. It's like, and, and then, yeah, you need to find people that you really respect. And then, like you said before, it just, how does a relationship develop? You know, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, but do it in a genuine, do it. Like if I see your chat book or your book and I'm like, shit, this guy's actually, I like, I like his product. He's very good. I like his posts. I like his art. So I'm just going to like it and I'm going to put it on my story because I liked it. Sure, yeah. Okay, now I'm going to buy it. And then, you know, we get chatting. Maybe you see that. Maybe then you like, you look at my work and you think you like that. And then 
That's it. There you go. Yeah. I feel like oh, it's just a they, they, so many people fall into like the, the quote unquote influencer game where they'll just go on someone's page and they'll like like a hundred things in hopes of yeah. that person following them. Right. Like, yeah. and I know there's, yes. there's bots and stuff that have to do with that. Like, I understand that too, but I, I, I always laugh at those people. They'll like scroll down and they'll like, like the last six things that I posted. And it's like, all right, well, did you actually like look at my page? Did you actually see what I'm about? Or are you just trying to get me to follow you? You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've hardly, uh, I've just withdrawn from the game. Oh, me too. Altogether. Me too. I'm, to be fair, more of a, I'm more of a recluse anyway. Like I'm not a very social, I have a small group of friends, you yeah. know. I'm very careful with, I'm like that in real life. So I'm kind of like that online. Like, it takes me a long time to build a relationship. And I want it that way because I don't think you can build genuine relationships in, like, you know, a week. And, and the thing is, I'm always suspicious of people with, like, 3,000 friends. It's like, come on. Everyone has, like, 10, 10, like five or 10 very good friends. And then you have, like, you know, 20 acquaintances and 20 colleagues at work. And then you have friends of friends. But you really have most people usually have a small circle of people they really trust. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think it should be as like, I think the point we're trying to make is it should be as genuine and as human as possible. And if you can make it even more human and genuine by actually talking to the person or like you did in New Jersey, meeting up with these people in real life yep. and then it becomes even more, well, it becomes real, so to speak, even though social media can seem more real than real life these yeah, days, to be honest. Right, right. But yeah. And it, you know what, too? Like most of the time, the people that are willing to take that extra step to, you know, answer a phone call or to reach out in person and meet up somewhere, you know, that's those are the kind of people that you want, you, you, you're going to want to connect with because they took the extra step to go and, and meet you somewhere for a drink or come read it, you know, stories by the sea or whatever it is, you know, to me, they, they're putting their, you know, their chips in play. So it's like, why would you not take the same step, right? That could be a relationship that you're trying to develop. That's going to pay off in the long run. Right. But you also, and on the other side of the spectrum too, to go back to like the whole social media game. I mean, I, I can't tell you, I mean, even just like walking around, town like you see people you know doing these like with the weird like selfie poses right or you have like the 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 influencer boyfriends taking pictures of their girlfriends right like people it's uh it is so fascinating to see the change in human behavior because of social media on like i'm talking about like from a virtual realm to an, an actual physical realm right but yeah you have to be careful because some sometimes you'll have people that seem like they're authentic up front but they'll mm. really deep down like their intentions are not what they're trying to portray right so you have to kind of be careful there and you know obviously you don't want to trust everyone on the internet but like you know the people i feel like that do take that first step for the most part are, are genuine when they're doing it yeah of course this is for all, if any kids any of your students are listening <laughs> don't just meet people from the internet right, right. Be, be, be smart be smart with how you're doing that um, but yeah <laughs> That's the last um, thing i need <laughs> but yeah like you said um 
yeah, meeting in person, making that genuine connection. I think during this pandemic, a lot of people will have kind of seen, you know, who their friends really are and who they can rely on. I think it's definitely made me, because I moved back home to be with my family. It just shows you where people's priorities really lie, to be honest. I kind of got closer with my family. And, you know, at the start, there was this real panic of like, um, you know, this is some serious shit. Like we need to, it's kind of like you went into that survival instinct at the start. And then it it did calm down and, and, and everything well, everything's still a bit crazy down in America, but uh, yeah, I think I think what I've found is just, you know, you've got to reach out. This is just this is not even about social media anymore. It's just about life. You know, you've you've got to reach out to your friends. You've got to check in on people. Uh, I think it goes back to, um, you know, a lot of mental problems people might be having, and and if we're talking about artists, they do suffer from you know, mental problems a little bit more yeah. than other people. And yeah, it's just in life, just, just checking on the, check in on the people you care about. I think it's so easy to lose touch with people because everyone's doing 10 things at once and everyone's got a job and they're drinking on the weekends and they're on a holiday. You know, you've got just, just ring, just today, just, just ring your friend, you yeah. know, just even if it's like five minutes, even if you pick up the phone and they're like, I can't talk to you. And he'd be like, yeah, sure, fine. You know, just a five-minute conversation. Just check in on people, ring your family. I think you just need to know what is important in your life. Um, just check in on people. Yeah, I, that's it. I agree with that 100%. I mean, it's, you know, it's so easy to just comment on someone's Facebook, oh, happy birthday. But, like, to actually take the yeah. time to, like, you know, send a text or, or call them, you know, I, I don't know about you, but like when I get a text on my birthday, I'm like, this person is a friend, right? As opposed to the person mm-hmm. who commented who I haven't heard from since college on my Facebook feed, right? There's a, there's a difference there. Um, and yeah, yeah. and of course, too, there's levels to that, right? Like, you know, with my immediate family, you know, like I try to see them as much as I can, which is tough right now yeah. with COVID because, you know, like you said, America is kind of a shit show right now. But um you know, you, you try to, you try your best to, if you can't see someone, you call them, right. If you can't call them, you text them. Right. And like, to me, like social media is like, not that it's a bad thing. I think there are definitely pros to it, but there's also cons, right? Like you, it's not, it's not my go-to. If I'm trying to maintain a relationship in a healthy way, I'm not going to social media first. That's like my last option. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there, I, I still have friends that are like, they're not on social media just because they've seen how toxic it, it has gotten in these last couple of years. And they just chose oh. to like step away. Right. And plus you have the other end of that too, is like life things, right? Like I, I'm at the age now where like all of my friends are starting to have, you know, they're, they're married now. They're starting to have kids and stuff. And like any parent could tell you like having a kid is a full-time job, right? I'm not going to be able to see my, my friends that have two, three kids as much. Right. So taking that extra step to give them a phone call or text them and, you know, just say, hey, what's up? How you doing? Everyone holding up like that means the world to those that demographic. Yeah, it's just even sending someone, you know, a funny video. Yeah. You know, sending me your friends. A funny video. Yeah, just a meme or something, you know, just saying I just text my friends with some stupid shit sometimes, like a paragraph of just some dumb, you know, that just makes me look like an idiot and. You know, I'm just trying, you know, but yeah, it does make a difference. You know, just 
just to know that someone is, you know, thinking about you and checking up on you and, and yeah, it makes a difference, you know, just how was your week or, you know, just anything. But yeah, yeah, I think with social media recently, I think after the COVID-19 and the riots in America and the protests, I think it's, it seems to be, it seems to be working towards a point of like total collapse and explosion with cancel culture. Yeah. And, um, which is, you know, and, and mobs, social media mobs. And it just seems like the worst way to talk to someone. Um, the absolute worst way. If you want to actually have communicate with someone and have a conversation, it seems like the worst way to do it. And, yeah, I took a little break from Instagram as well because it just seems people do love to form groups and mobs and share the same ideas and some are doing it subconsciously and other people are doing it because they feel like they they feel obligated to do it and then it all gets a little bit a little bit scary a little bit um 1984 yeah if yeah, right a little more rally in there. And that's it. Yeah. You know, that's the thing is like, I've been saying this since now it's tough because my, my generation kind of, I feel like we were the last ones to grow up like without social media. And then all of a mm. sudden social media was a thing. Um, I'm so for listeners, I'm in my thirties. If that, I'm a quote unquote millennial, How old are you? a 33. How old are you? Okay. How old are you? Uh, 23. Ooh, that was a good age. Yeah. I liked being 23. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad. Getting a bit, you know, getting a bit towards need to start <laughs> thinking seriously about life and shit. Tw- I feel but, like uh, yeah. when you hit 25, that's when it like everything kind of hit you. Right. Yeah, and then like 25 like, yeah. and then like 30 is when you're just like, oh shit, this is life. But <laughs> my, <laughs> back at the last 10 years. my point is, I, you know, I feel like I, I've kind of witnessed the, the shift in thinking. Um, as far mm-hmm. as social media and how that affects people's like psychologies. Um, and I feel like I'm only, I can only really talk about this and express it because I have a background in education and psychology, right? Like that's, that's what I studied. That's why I'm a teacher and things, but I know that that's not necessarily common knowledge, right? So you factor that in with, like you're saying the constant, your constant feed of from whatever social media outlet you use Right. The algorithm is it's designed to feed you the same story over and over again. Right. Like if you are, I don't know, let's you identify as a Republican. Right. You're going to get more and more Republican news feeds. uh, I'm sorry, news stories that come up in your feed because the algorithm is trying to get it's trying to get you to stick to that platform to continue using Instagram or Facebook. And the only way to do that is to get give you the things that you want to see. Right. So it's giving you that little like dopamine rush. Now, the problem with that is you get all these things in your feed, you start to think that everyone is thinking that way, right? Like everyone's yeah. a, everyone else is a Republican, but that's not necessarily the case, right? What the, what the software is doing is it's filtering out the things that it knows you don't want to see and read, right? So yes. if you're not careful and you're spending your whole day on social media, you know, you start to get a little bit of a twisted view of the world. And you start to see things in a, in a light that it's not actually how reality is being portrayed. Now, don't get me, yes. don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know, what you said about America and how things are totally in chaos right now. Like some, to, to, to a certain extent, that's true. 
But at the same time, there are there there are still pieces of life in society that are like normal, right? And I think, um, like you said, like taking a break from the social media um, and stepping away is is so beneficial to one's mental health. Um, It gives you time to reset. And I take a step further than that. Like any creative will tell you, like you know, if, if you're wasting time on Reddit all day, like you're not, you're not putting that time and energy into whatever your out, your creative outlet is. Right. So it becomes a problem because then, then you try to like, you try to, you know, produce some sort of content, but your brain is just so, you know, wired and fried, right. From, from this constant feed of the same story over and over again. And it's, if you're not careful, right. You're, 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 your mindset becomes so twisted that you can't shake yourself out of it. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's tricky because I'm, I'm by no means an expert when it comes to that kind of thinking, but I feel like I know enough to kind of manage myself and to give some advice to people who are, feel like they're falling down that rabbit hole. But I mean, the key piece there is just, you got to balance yourself. You got to be able to step away and, you know, take a, take a couple of days to go for a hike, right? Go camping, put yourself in yeah. nature and like kind of reset yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, um, what you said, you keep mentioning the, the algorithm. And I think, I think I read a tweet once that said, um, the most powerful people in the world are the people who make the algorithms. Yeah. Um, it's not billionaires. It's not because they control your mind. And once people, once your mind is being controlled, but you, it's really you control, you're kind of brainwashing yourself at the same yeah. time. Voluntary brainwashing. Um, but yeah, like you said, you can really lose touch with what is actually happening in the world. Like I can go on my Twitter and it's very Americanized. You could say a lot of American stuff and then I could go to work and people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, I don't understand what these words mean, what topics you're talking about. You know, they don't know what's going on in America, really. You know, what, you got to just look at real life. What is your job? You sure. know, who are the five people that are around you the most? What are your goals? And it, like, what are you doing? Are you playing football on the weekend? Are you are you watching the baseball game? Are you watching a bit of snook? You know, what do you actually do? Your life is not the internet. And I think, especially with Twitter, you know, if you're looking for an insane asylum, oh, just go on Twitter. Yeah, that's the place. Everyone that, has, everyone that is so on toxic. antidepressants. Yeah, everyone that is on antidepressants and all these nihilists. And don't get me wrong, there's some cool young nihilists out there. <laughs> <laughs> They're all on Twitter. Twitter is like the hub for mental illness. It's like the circus. It's like the line for the big ride at the circus. Yeah. That's where everyone congregates to who is mentally just has something they want to get off their chest and they're angry or mentally ill or unstable. But I think I think it's really good. There's some great stuff on there on social media. Yeah. But at the same time, you come back away, like you said, nature, just talk to people and your friends and just remember who you are and what your actual goals are. Unless you're a professional tweeter, you don't need to be on there for four hours a day. Exactly. I was just going to say that. Like I feel like I've, I follow quite a few or used to follow quite a few people who, you know, like I, I was aware of how this algorithm kind of shaped your mindset, you know, back when like Mm. Facebook 
started doing this uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever, however long it was, I was aware of it. So I, I tried my best to kind of cater my, my people I was following, you know, of a more positive side. Right. Mm. So I, I was trying to do that. Now, the problem is what I'm finding now, you know, years later, people like that are starting to walk away from platforms like Twitter because they're seeing how toxic it is. And no, negative. right. And, and the, the messages, the positive messages they were trying to spread were getting, you know, either erased or thrown to the bottom of the stockpile from the algorithm because the, the, the algorithm isn't trying to positive side is trying to push the negative side because that's that's the side that people you know they want to stay on the platform and they want to continue using the twitter you know it's more entertaining and think about like you know popular movies and and film and tv shows like the ones that are usually you know blockbuster hits are the ones that involve some sort of drama some sort of violence or sexuality and like not to say those things aren't entertaining but what's tough is the line between entertainment and reality is starting to become very, very murky and foggy. And it's hard to kind of, unless you're aware of it, it's hard to kind of center yourself and, and, and separate yourself, you know, from the fiction and the nonfiction. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's, you said the line is murky. I think it's crossed over between the two. I think we, I think especially with social media, the amount of fake videos and oh, fake news, yeah, warp statistics. It really is hard to tell what is reality and what is uh, fiction. Oh man, I, I on past the line where you see so many fake videos, and and then of course you see people take people's opinions out of context, yep. or you'll see a or someone will take a minute clip from this podcast after this and cancel me. Yeah, right. You know, right. this about women, or he said this about. This ethnic group, you know, yeah, as if um, as if that one line that you said is your entire identity. Like, yeah, it's. I think we've just thought about context and just how to have a conversation. And I think I, I, I don't understand why everyone has to take a side these days. You know, it's yeah, just, you can be it's, neutral. You can not have an opinion. That's okay too. <laughs> or, yeah, or you can be like slightly on, or you can agree with like five ideas from one side and five from the other. Right, like. I think that's just, it's just a mature, it's not even a mature, it's just a common sense perspective. Like, you know, I like this movie. I liked four things about it, but you know, they could have done a little bit better in these two departments. So I'm going to give it a seven out of 10. Exactly. But everyone has to be zero. Everyone has to be 10. It's just, but I can understand why. I can understand the human nature behind that. Everyone wants to be in a group and the groups are at the opposite ends of the spectrum. Sure. People can feel uh, part of a culture and they're very tribal um yeah so i can see the reasons behind it um i'm just individualism for me a lot of my writing is about that as well just an individual amongst the crowd and you know you have to you have to just know who you are and what you want because i think we're becoming more even though we're more and more broken up and uh you know we spend more and more time on the internet which is you know we're not physically together in person and people live in apartments and big cities we're spending less and less time together we're more isolated than ever yeah. Uh, and yeah you need to find a way to connect but you need to be an individual i think people are trying to replace that isolation with social media groups and mobs they're not the same thing uh, no 
and God, God is dead, so they need something else. People need fitness religions and political religions and cancelling religions because they need to replace. Yeah, God is dead in the West, so they need to replace that, I guess. Very nihilist of you. <laughs> um, no, I feel... No, I feel atheism is on the rise massively. I think, you know, I used to be an atheist. I'm more probably still somewhere there, agnostic. Of course, I was born a Muslim since I was young. But I think, you know, I think the numbers of people who are atheists have been going up and up mm. with young people over the past five or ten years in the West. And I think they've just been replaced by these other religions of social media and politics and technology. and. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, that has happened. I think our God, yeah, I, you, you are absolutely correct about that. Yeah, I mean, God isn't dead. Don't get me wrong. But, right, um, and of course, like to <laughs> listeners, we're not yeah. saying you know we're we're not saying that you have to feel a certain way or believe a certain thing. This is obviously just personal opinions here. But no, it's just an analysis of right. what personal personal analysis of what I think of Western culture. I don't know. I think people a lot of people move away from their parents when they're eighteen. And, you know, you become isolated from that small little tribe you had in your, wherever you're from back home, you know. Sure. People like LA and they were from like New Jersey, a little community there. And they don't have that little community anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. very isolated. Well, I think, you know, that that's kind of where, like you were saying, like that's where the sense of individ- individualism kind of comes in. Like you have to kind of know who you are and who you want to be so you can separate yourself from that that trap of just kind of falling into yeah. like what everyone else is doing right like there yeah. not to say that like you know there is there are pros to being social creatures of course like that's humans we are we are social yeah. creatures but in a in the same yeah. sentence you have to also acknowledge that like you have to have your own independent thinking abilities you have to have, have an idea of your own definition like who are you and who do you want to be Right. Because there's if you don't have those guidelines in place, you're there's no way you're going to develop in the direction you want to develop. You're just going to go in every other direction, what everyone else is doing. And that's not what you want, because that's that's going to do more harm than good. Yeah, I guess it's more in in the mind, like you said, Um, you know, it's just you can use you have to act like other people a lot of the time. You know, you have to go to work and. You know, if you're too eccentric, you might get fired. So just, you know, keep in line, do your job. And then, you know, when you have your own time or it really is about how you think, the way you think, what you like, where you're headed, like, and it's in your mind. You don't even have to wear different clothes to people. You can dress the same. It's just in your head where you're going. Like you said, it really is a mental thing. I think a lot of people think the same. That's the problem. Yeah. If you think. You like I think that's a that's a huge problem that America is having right now is like they're the the group think is out of control because of the social media. It's hard to yeah. if you're so wrapped up in it, it's hard to separate yourself from it. But you like we've been saying, like, you got to be able to kind of take a step back and say, wait a minute, do I really believe this or am I just kind of repeating some meme that I saw? You know, like there's there's a difference there. And not to say that that's an easy skill, because that's that's something that I've spent. I don't know, the better part of my life studying how to how to do psychologically, right? But I I understand that at the same time, like that is not something you're just gonna learn overnight. But you have to be conscious of the ability that you have to do that. 
because you do people do have that ability that's something that's part of our evolution it's just whether or not you choose to engage with it or not so yeah i think um i think the old school sayings of like our grandfathers and things were you know there was something to it like don't talk about politics don't talk about religion and there was something else and then you know yeah. there's something in that to be honest you right. know you know, it's just if you've got nothing good to say, just keep your mouth shut. Like, don't talk about, don't go up to someone and or meet someone and start talking about politics or religion. You know, just just leave that. Yeah. You, you don't you don't have to think about it or talk about. It. I think people feel they have to be involved now. It's like when they said to young people, now you have to vote. Everyone should vote. I don't think everyone should vote. Why not just sit back and watch the circus? You don't have to do anything you know it's a personal choice yep um yeah yeah people feel obligated to do things it's very strange how people want to take sides and they, they struggle to make their own decisions to people sometimes and i think you know it's it's tough because i feel like so nowadays with social media everyone feels like they have to they have to voice their opinion you have to like shout to the world like i am this and this is what i believe but in all honesty, like you don't have no. to do that. You're allowed to have an opinion and like not talk about it. You you don't have to justify why you believe something, right? And like yeah. it's also okay to have a conversation with somebody who disagrees with you as long as you're doing it respectfully. I mean that that's yeah. totally fine. You're allowed to like talk about those things with somebody who's, you know, opposing you as long as you're doing it respectfully. The, you're not yeah. you're not trying to convince someone to change their beliefs because if they if they yeah. wanted to change their beliefs they would do it you don't it's not your job to make that decision for somebody else yeah i think you quickly realize as you get older it's very hard to change someone's mind and force them to do anything people do something out of their own volition you can never make someone do anything right and th- i mean right. that's the whole premise of betterism right i mean the podcast and the blog i'm trying to just you know create a mindset of of learning it's like stay stay open-minded right like have your opinions have your beliefs but like also be willing to learn new information because it might help you it might change your mind and that isn't a bad thing you're allowed to change your mind (laughs) yeah i think people are not willing to be wrong anymore yeah but you have to it's just failure you know people are not willing to fail and i think with uh, with social media where everything is judged very quickly and with cancel culture, where your past mistakes that every person out of 8 billion people has made on this planet, everyone makes mistakes when they're younger, are now coming to light. So people feel, you know, I can't even make one mistake anymore. Right. So no one's willing to be wrong. Everyone has to be on the right side of the argument as fast as possible. No one's willing to say, okay, let's just take a step back here. Give me five days and I'm going to think about this and get back to it. Or no one's, no one allows people to say, okay, I made a mistake, you know, forgive me. Yeah. And you, know, you should just be like, ah, that's fine. You know, we've all made mistakes when we were young, you know, the old boys will be boys or, you know, everyone, some people might be criminals in the past. It doesn't mean they're the same right. person. It's just, yeah, people are not willing to just be wrong and you have to fail to get good at anything. Absolutely. You know, you fail, the more times you fail, you know, the more likely you are to score or succeed. You know, yeah. you take a hundred shots, you're going to score 10 of them at least. 
That's what I say. Well, I, you yeah. know, I say that to my students all the time. Like the the only true failure is giving up. It's like yeah. if if you give up, yeah, you're gonna fail. But if you fail and you fail and you fail and you fail and you keep trying to learn from those failures, eventually you're you're gonna hit that score. You're gonna hit that success. But the the oh, yeah. you can't give up. Uh, that's 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 huge. And I think honestly, that's what drew me into your work. Is I not that you failed a lot. I didn't mean for it to come off that way, but I think what drew me into your work was that, like we were talking about that sense of individualism, but also how many different angles you were kind of uh, express your creative side, right? Like I, I have a few of your chat books and they're all awesome, but they're all like equally um, original. Like they don't, it's not like repetitive, right? Like there are definitely poets out there and don't get me wrong. I, I have poets that, poet friends and, and, and fans of poets and writers that ha- do the same thing over and over again but your your work is not like that your work kind of you experiment with these little tweaks here and there and I feel like number one that's why I wanted to have you on the show but number two like that's what drew me into your work as a fan I I see that I can recognize that I mean even the transition like we were talking about at the beginning of the show from zines and chapbooks to the collages right like those that that transformation piece is like man this guy gets it he he can he can see what he wants to do and he's gonna give it a try even if he thinks that he sucks at it he's gonna keep going not that you suck at it because i love your collage work too (laughs) but yeah i'm interested you said that because it's hard to judge your own work but i guess yeah, you can get to a stage as a writer where you feel like you're doing the same thing again and again. It's very easy to fall into that trap because I guess you fall into the same patterns in your life. Yeah. And if you live the same way, you're going to write the same way, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'm glad to hear, to be honest, that there's something <laughs> a little bit different in all three because it's hard to really judge. But I guess a chapbook at least speaks to you at a time it speaks to like three months of your life, yeah, kind of. Yeah. So it's like a it's like a window into that short period into your life, and I guess as long as you're doing things in your life and trying things, you know, it's it should be slightly different. But there's also something to the fact that people write the same way. You know, if you're really good, and then you make that really good music over eight albums, it's gonna be good every time. You know. Sure. Uh, but there's something to I guess small tweaks and. You want to be adding little layers all the time, I guess, which is what I feel. But what I'm working on now, the next chapbook, I feel like, again, is slightly different from a perspective of my work might have been a bit more about individualism. And um, I don't really know how to describe it. Individualism and existentialist, maybe. And, cool. Um, I'm into that. Just the nine to five and some lot of stuff about being a bit of a starving writer <laughs> stuff which was an experiment over the last year but not a very successful one just a little side note there but the- on uh, but um yeah we'll get back to that but um <laughs> what uh, what point was i making um yeah this chapbook that i'm working on now is more instead of looking inward it seems it's more outward i've done some little character studies maybe and I think just as I'm getting a little bit older and I think just life is humbling me a little bit more and my perspective is changing a little bit. So I think that means the work will be different. That's that's um, a good thing. Yeah, I think 
I think it's just your perspective with life changes and you know, with a chat book as well, something you want to try something a little bit different. That's why the collaborations were so good. But a lot of good feedback about the collaborations with yeah, Liver Mortis scene. And I think what he did really well was um, fit the pictures to the writing. Yeah, really. Um, which was that was all him. I didn't have any saying that. He <laughs> well, I was gonna say I love right. I love that one, and I love the one that you did with a uh, with Catch Steve Z and Two Key Customs. Yeah. I feel like both of those were so well done and, and so well put together, both, you know, Wordsworth, but also w- with the visual graphics as well. I mean, they were so well composed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at it now to be honest, but yeah, that's all up to, I think, I think what I've done in, in terms of them is you got to realize kind of where your strengths are. The one chapbook I did by myself, Anthem of Purgatory took me a long time, you know? Yeah. It, the title does sum up where I was, at the time, you know, kind of in this purgatory, like I was, I think, jobless at the time. And then I moved out and I was working like a gig job, just barely paying the rent. And then I did this chapbook. It took me months to get all the printing right and everything. Yeah. And the apartment was tiny. There was just papers all over the apartment. <laughs> I know that very well. Oh, my poor girlfriend was in the living room. She's like, when are you going to come to bed? And I'm like, give me a few more hours. I'm just putting this, just want to staple these pages together. I'm trying to do this printing job, right? And yeah. she's thinking, oh, Jesus, all the living rooms just covered in papers. Like, <laughs> in there or anything. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, yeah, point was, you got to know kind of where your strengths are. And I don't think my strength is, I could learn it, but it's not printing and it's not putting stuff together. And there's people that are a lot better than that. I mean, like a Livermore scene who's made way more zines than I have. And he's like an, you know, an expert printer, super quick. He knows what he's doing. Nice. Amazing photography and cuts, you know, Steve Mijuski. I think I'm saying that right. Um, Steve, who, you know, you've worked with as well. Yep. He's just, he knows what he's doing with the printing. Um, and his illustrations are very, very good. His writing is good. He knows what he's doing with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, that's why collaborations are great, you know. You take skills from both people and combine them. That's why a team is always stronger than the individual. Absolutely. That's what we were talking about, you know, individualism and that being a pro. But there, like you said, like being a team is also a good thing because you can kind of stockpile all of your strengths together to kind of create like a project. I mean, think about any any large, massive project that you've heard about. Like there's one person didn't do everything. I mean, anything from movies to music, like there's, there's a team behind it all. And you, you need a team in order to kind of reach that level. So, yeah. Yeah. With them things is sometimes one person might get the credit, but um, there's always a team behind it. Even in individual sports, you know, they have seven different coaches. They have a nutritionist, you know, they have all these people, they have the person that plans out the day. And when it all comes together correctly is when they perform at their best. Yep. And I think that's why a lot of the um, zine culture is very good. There's a lot of collaboration. I think I'll be looking to do more collaborations in the future. I think it's I've got one going with a very good writer who I've just recently got to know and, and got to read. Very, very good. I think he's he's just released his book on um, Amazon. Tom Wu, his name is. Mm, yeah. Also from the UK. I think he's from Middlesbrough works in a he's got like a proper factory on a warehouse he's got a proper warehouse job as well um at w u u x c v 
he is on Instagram. I'm doing, he's just a, he's a writer. He just, he writes poetry and, and writes and I'm doing a collaboration with him. I've sent him some poems. Hopefully that'll be out soon. Awesome. Um, that's the next project which is coming out. But yeah, it's just like you said, you just run into these very, you know, writers out of nowhere. Um, yeah. And that's why Instagram is brilliant because you can find them people. Yep. And you gotta, you gotta connect to project. That's, that's the key word there. Project. All right. Yeah. Akil. So let me see. I want running up on the time limit here, but um, I also don't want to keep you too long. Let's uh, you want to transition to the three rapid fire questions here. Yeah, sure. All right. So first question, what are you currently reading and would you recommend it to others? Are you enjoying it? Um, it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be any like it doesn't have to be like a book. It could be an audiobook, documentary, a chat book, a zine, whatever. But what are you what are you absorbing right now? At the moment, I am reading George Orwell's "Keep the Spidestro Flying." Mm, lesser known one. Know. Yeah, yeah, but I like the synopsis or at the back of the book. It was um, it's about he's working in a little bookshop and he's trying to be. He's trying to attempting to be like a starving artist or he's trying to work a job which is very badly paid with very little hours and trying to be a poet on the side. And um, it, it was very much like what I was trying to do for the past year, which is why it appealed to me. Yeah. And I'm about a third of the way through. It's very funny. Uh, yeah, I like is. Orwell's writing style. Yeah, it's very good. And it's interesting because during the um, first third, he's trying to write um, a poem. Or he's just observing and he has like a poem in his head. And then like in the next chapter, he comes back to it and goes over it in his head again. And it's kind of like uh, the process of writing a poem sometimes happens like that, where you have a line and then the next day you go back to that line and maybe add something. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so interesting. Uh, Other books, one more, nonfiction at the moment, David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me. Mm. Yeah, Uh, yeah. over a hundred pages of the way I'm going to get back to that again. Um, yeah. Just mental strength. He's just an insane man. Oh yeah. That was a very helpful book. Um, and it extends well beyond physical pain. <laughs> oh yeah. It's all mental. It's all, and that's all he talks about, but it's yep. just so ridiculous. If you need any motivation, just read that. It's just so ridiculous. Yeah. Great and book. Then, yeah. He's, one of the best accounts. If there's any writers out there struggling with the writer's block, <laughs> just, read, just read a bit of David Goggins or listen to him. <laughs> well, realize how stupid it you got a good me. mashup there. You got the uh, the fictional inspiration going, right? With the whole, I mean, that book, that Orwell book for me was pretty inspiring because it, it, like you said, like I felt like I could relate to it trying to work and then also do this on the side kind of thing. But then also yeah. you got the the whole like, you know, mental suffering and how to deal and cope with that and stuff too. That's a, that's a good mashup. I feel like uh, you're trying to overcome some obstacles. That's a pretty good uh, set of books. You yeah. Got there. Yeah. I think nonfiction, there's a lot of bad nonfiction, but you've got, a, there's just some very good people you can just, you can learn from. Yep. It's David Goggins is, you know, podcasts. You can listen to Joey Diaz's podcast. Yep. He's a comedian. Yep. That's American, a good one. I love that podcast, you know, yep. there's just, you can, learn a lot from these i think especially as a young man um which is you know what i relate to the most is just these joko willing you know these just mentally tough 
because I'm into fitness as well, so sure. that really appeals to me. Yeah. Um, in terms of in terms of that side, yeah. I feel like I was I was probably your age when I started, kind of just like you are, like picking up, uh, the realms of of art and and creation that I wasn't necessarily used to. Like when I was younger, it was definitely like poetry and fiction were my two things, like Kerouac, Bukowski, right? Like, but as I got older, I started to pick up these other you know, podcasts and nonfiction. And I started to kind of, you know, I started meditating and being more conscious of my diet and my exercise routines and things like that. And I feel like that, that was a good year that, like I said, like 23 to 25, that's kind of like a transitionary period of my life. And it sounds like you're kind of going in the the same direction there. So I I, uh, commend you for that. No, I think I was into fitness, I think, before I was ever into poetry. I think I started going to the gym at 16. That's probably my other passion aside from, like, I work out just as much as I write, to be honest. That's awesome. And yeah, podcast the same, of course. It started with Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah. When I was, like, 15, 16, and my whole worldview changed. And then, yeah, Joey Diaz and Bill Burr's podcast oh, is great. Both of those guys are hilarious. <laughs> and then I listened to a bit of um, a couple of MMA podcasts. Yeah, I listened to a, a bunch of podcasts, yeah. Yeah, I got a whole playlist too. All right, uh, we'll do question two here. What is your favorite meal to prepare and cook? It could be for yourself, for your friends and family, um, and don't feel like you have to put any pressure on yourself. It could be low-key, whatever whatever you're into. Yeah. I'm not the biggest, the most advanced cook. It's very simple. It's just chicken and rice, but I can make a good chicken and rice curry. Um, and I, I've made it a few times for my roommates. I had it the other week. Uh, I have like a few stock dishes, you know, like four something dishes that I'm just very solid at. Yeah. And then otherwise I, I'm not really bothered. But I do enjoy cooking. But you asked for a British meal, I think, before we started the podcast. Yeah, yeah. What, do you have anything culture-wise? It's, it's not that I would necessarily prepare, but I'm quite a pig. So if, you know, I love a <laughs> meat, <laughs> which is English, you know, after you've been out drinking, you have a meat and chips, a kebab. Yeah. That's what, yeah. And yeah, I love fish and chips. Massive. Oh, yeah. Fan of fish and the, chips. Yeah, that's the cheat day, the cheat day meal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, depends you, you can kind of outrun your diet if you work out a lot when you're young oh yeah you gotta balance that you gotta yeah but as you get older yeah you gotta clean up the diet and, and be a little bit watchful yeah sure absolutely all right uh so last question and don't feel like you have to go profound with this but you can because it if you want to it kind of sounds like that's how you were taking the episode but what is one life lesson you'd like to pass on to our listeners today um I was going to go with just just go with something personal, how life has just kind of humbled me. But I'm, I'm going to just say, I'm going to go with something a bit more creative. I just say action, action over, over words, over everything. Um, and what I mean by that is just create as much as you can and don't get bogged down in like over editing and, and trying to work towards perfection um trust your instincts trust yourself and i think like you said you couldn't do something in a week you were saying um a chapbook i used to 
well, I have in the past done it, done it over a longer period of time and really edited for a long time. But my my recent few chapbooks have been a lot more, you know, kind of trusting your instinct, trust the years of work mm-hmm. and stuff you've already put into your craft and just, um, yeah, don't worry about perfection because it's not going to be perfect and just keep releasing work, just keep putting things out. Don't worry about perfection. Don't be the person that's always saying, yeah, currently doing when I find time to write, maybe (laughs) by the end of the year, maybe next year. Or I always wanted to write a book, you know, then people, it's a broken record. Nobody wants to hear. Yeah. Right. We're going to write. Show me the chapbook, the book that you've already written. Yeah. Actions speak louder than words, man. Yeah. And yeah, just don't go yapping off people. Too many people on social media just talking and talking. And I've always said this because I hate it when I talk too much as well. Just just do stuff, you know? Yep. 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 Just do. Don't say what you're going to do, you know? Just, yeah, just do stuff and let the actions, the actions will speak by themselves and let people judge things how they're in their own light. Don't try and, yeah, that's it. That's good, man. That's some good advice. Um, all right, Akil, it has been awesome having you on the show. Where can listeners find you online if they want to reach out and connect? Um, at Instagram, ap.writer. That's it. That's all you need. I feel like that is your hub. That's where I find most of your stuff. Yeah. Yeah, my Twitter is just retweeting all sorts of crazy MMA stuff. Nobody needs to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Writing stuff is, yeah, ap.writer on Instagram, yeah. All right, man. That sounds good. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate the time. Um, we'll have to get a round two in at some point once things settle down with the whole COVID yeah. situation. I don't really know how America is going to look in the next couple of months, but we'll see. Right. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. Of course, I man. And stay safe. Yeah. Anyone listening? Yep, yep. Likewise, dude. All right. We'll talk all later, right. right? Cheers, mate. See you. All right. Later. Hey, guys. Just one more quick thing before you take off. Um, I wanted to take a second to express my sincere gratitude for your time and your attention. It's appreciated way more than you realize. Um, If you'd like to support our cause and what we're doing here at Betterism, there's a few ways you could do that. Um, You could share, rate, or review the show. Um, It's available wherever you get podcasts. You can join our blog and contribute some of your wisdom to our growing family. Or if you're able to, you can donate or subscribe any amount to paypal.me slash bingbang. That link is in the show notes. Um, Thanks again so much for your time, and I hope you have a great day. Well, that's it, friends. Thanks for tuning in. I hope to swing through again. If you'd like to reach out, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at medium.com slash betterism. Be better at whatever it is you're building. And remember, friends, stay learning.